Welcome to the Agency Growth Machine Podcast, where it's all about transforming potential into profit. And now your host, Randy Schwantz. Hey, this is Randy Schwantz. Um, I just wrote an article for the Insurance Journal titled something like, you need a bad cop. You need a bad cop when you're hiring almost anybody, but particular producers. And it it came home uh, in a real way to me this morning. I went, you know, today's Monday and I got up this morning, opened up my email and uh, got a resignation from a lady that we hired maybe six or eight weeks ago, something like that. And, uh, you know, stuff happened. So I just called her up. And what I found out is that the ambiguity, the uncertainty, the the weirdness of working for a small entrepreneurial company just didn't work for her. Uh, she had worked for an architectural and uh, engineering firm where everything was pretty boxed up. I mean, they gave her an assignment. She had to do RFPs. They have a deadline. She does that. And man, people are happy with her and she was happy with the job and didn't have all that pressure. So uh, had I really been paying attention, I would have seen, felt, and noticed that, but I didn't. I remember um, one of the ladies on my staff was primarily responsible for hiring her. We needed somebody. We'd had a lady that worked with us for 13 years that you know, had, had another child and was busy and just wanted to spend time with the family. So now we had that, that spot and we wanted to fill it. And so did some interviews. Uh, and like I said, I, I did a phone interview. I was really busy moving at that point. So didn't get too engaged. Then uh, I met with her one day, took her to lunch. And as I'm talking about my thoughts, my dreams, my visions, what I want to do and how we had this opportunity and that opportunity and everything else. And man, you could just see her head just kind of explode. And um, I'm thinking, you know, she's telling me, well, I'm, I'm a checklist guy, Randy. I, I, I like to build checklists and do things that way. I go, awesome. That's going to be so good because with your checklist, you'll be able to help me get this and that and the other. We'll be able to do this, all that sort of stuff. And her head was just poof, just blowing up. And I never saw it. Well, I did see it, but I just didn't want to pay attention to it. I think is the case, you know, because it was too much trouble. And, you know, when you're interviewing, you run into interview fatigue, uh, particularly if you've talked to a number of people, you know, so you're interviewing them, you're trying to find out what's the right spot. Uh, And then after a while, you start to run into the interview relationship where it goes from just somebody you're interviewing to you start to project, I think this person could do this job. And then you quit looking for all the warts or whatever that's apparent to you. And and then before long, you've hired somebody. Well, not only is that true for staff, it's also true for producers. And having been involved in, well, literally hiring uh, you know, just under 40 producers and interviewing hundreds plus, I can't tell you how many because I didn't keep record, literally, but uh, that was a very powerful experience. And um, I got to be the bad cop. And there's a real powerful role in being the rad, bad cop. Because being the bad cop, what's cool is, man, uh, you get to ask tough, difficult, probing, penetrating questions. And if they walk out, they just walk out. You don't really care. Uh, there's no shame. There's no must. There's no fuss. There's no guilt. I mean, if you ask them something they don't like it, then adios if you know what i mean and that's the fun part of being the bad cop the other fun part of being the bad cop is 
you really get to dig in. Now, I will admit that being a good bad cop takes a certain type of personality. And uh, fortunately, I've got that kind of personality, and I like that kind of stuff. I like to see people squirm. I like to see them not be able to answer the question easily. I like to see it when they sweat and they're on their brow and they their old leg starts to, to bouncing up and down and, and them big old huff and a puff because that's what the real world is like. You know, it's just like with kids today. I mean, you know, the, the whole millennials is the is the big subject. And the re- reason the millennials are the millennials is, I, I, don't, I'm, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but part because the, the generation before became such helicopter parents that they never let the millennials grow up. They had a iPhone in their hand from the time they're about six months old. So they always had communications. They were never far away. Um Moms and dads, you know, sacrificed everything in their lives to take them to football practice and band and basketball practice and to the movies. And they never had to get a job. I mean, maybe some did, but you get the point. I mean, a lot of them didn't. And so millennials turned out to be millennials and we treat them differently. So, you know, when when you start interviewing people, I mean, you got to find out what's this person really about? Are they a millennial and they can't take the pressure? Uh, or, you know, cause they got to go ask mom and dad if it's okay or whatever, or are they just tough kids that they understand how the world works and you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta make it happen. If you want to make it happen, that there becomes a certain point, your mom and dad ain't going to do it for you no more. So by being a bad cop, uh, you could put a lot of pressure on people. So I, I remember, you know, one of the exercises that as a bad cop, and by the way, let me just tell you. In the beginning, I wasn't a bad cop. I didn't know to be. And I had no real definition in this context for what a bad cop was. What I knew is that um, uh, I was kind of doing my thing with this this Fort Worth firm. And we were having a lot of success. And I was telling other clients about it. And then they kind of jump in and say, would you do it for us too? But there's something weird about it. It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same doing it out of town, flying on an airplane and doing that sort of deal. So I, I tried some weird things to see if I could determine if people were, uh, if, if they had any sort of passion for what's going on, if they had any sort of persistence to keep pushing through and fighting through to figure things out. Those are both called grit. In fact, you know, as I digress here, Angela Duckworth wrote a book called Grit. She's a professor at Harvard and um, did a lot of research on who really made it. And, came to the conclusion along with some other people it wasn't just talent by any means but it was that ability passion and perseverance to keep 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 pushing through the 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 walls to to make happen because in selling particularly you're going to run into a lot of walls you're going to run into the wall number one of trying to get a prospect on the phone you're going to run to wall number two of then trying to get that prospect set an appointment and then you're going to get in the wall of going on that sales call building rapport that's a wall Finding out what their pains are, that's a wall. And then getting them to commit to fire the other guy and hire you, that's a wall. There's just all these walls that you got to keep running through. And unless you've got enough perseverance or persistence to keep busting through those walls, also known as grit, if you don't have that, you're probably not going to make it as a producer. So I was trying to find some way to, to create a facsimile of that. How do you create all the walls people have to run through uh, to be a great producer, how do you how do you create something synonymous with how smart you have to be to be a great producer? 
How do you create something determined, you know, how coachable? Most great producers are, you know, I mean, you got your egomaniacs, the prima donnas, and then you've got others that are really smart, really coachable, really good at relationship, uh, really driven, motivated, they know what they want, and they're cooperative. And of course, if you want to build a sales culture, you need people like that. The prima donnas are not very, uh, very good if you want to build a a sales culture where people are helping each other out. And then really, if you're going to have if you're going to have an agency that really grows, uh, prima donnas, are, you know, we put up with, but man, nobody likes them. What you want is you want team players that are really driven to go. So back to being a bad cop. Rusty would go out. Rusty, Michael, and Jim would go out, and they were great great recruiters they just had a story they would tell their story they loved the insurance business they would attract a lot of people and so then the, their first sort of once they call you know get somebody in uh they, they kind of just run them amongst the three if all three of them felt like this is a candidate worth uh investing in a little bit then they'd send them off to me and so i got to be the bad cop bad cop doesn't really care if they get hired is really trying to keep them out, is doing everything you can to figure out who this person really is. And so I can't say that last part probably enough. We're really trying to figure out who this person really is. And what do I mean by that? Well, is they the kind of person that will prospect? Is they the kind of person you know, who will uh, pick up the phone call, knock on doors? Is they the kind of person you know, that can build a great rapport? And pardon my grammar here, but I'm just trying to make a point. Um, you know, are they good students? Will they learn? Will they cooperate? Are they coachable? Do they fit in? I mean, that's what, that's what we're trying to figure out. And a lot of people are capable of presenting themselves well, and then they turn into the devil. And you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you've, you've experienced it. You know, in the interview process, what's going on is that as an agency owner, you're trying to sell them on us. You're painting the prettiest picture of your agency that you can. And then that producer is trying to sell you on them. They're painting the prettiest picture of who they are in many cases so that they get the chance to say yes or no. And so now we got two people both presenting their best selves and seldom do we ever get out who the real person really is. Hence the need for a bad cop. Hence when a good cop is trying to really do all that interviewing. The problem is they went over here and they, they loved on you. They recruited you. They told you how great they thought you were. They told you how great this opportunity was, you know, a lot of love, 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 love. And then it's hard to just flip the switch and now go into, you know, the discriminating tough guy, but you got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Hence you need a bad cop. So, um, got a client in, uh, Dubuque, uh, last year, they went to colleges all over the place, brought in like 25, 26, 27, somewhere in that range, interns. Um, and then through a combination of a number of things, in a sense, their internship was equivalent to a bad cop. They made them do a lot of things. So now what's the purpose of a bad cop? Bad cop's job is to get evidence. And so then you got to have an evidence-based process something that gets evidence what do I mean evidence let's go basketball real fast let's suppose you said to me man I'm a great basketball player I'd go all right I believe you 
but before I pay you any money, I want to see you on the court. And I'm going to give you a basketball, and then I'm going to put another person out there with you as a defender. And then we're going to watch you do your thing. Can you do a crossover dribble and get that by that guy and go do a finger roll? Can you juke, you know, take a step back, fire up a three? Um, and then we're going to, you know, th- then we'll do some passing drills, see how you do that. Do additional drilling, dribbling drills, see how you do that. Then we're going to put you on defense and see if you can stop the other guy. And then we're going to go out there and get, you know, five on five. We'll get all 10 guys on the court and let you go out and play. You know, can you block? Can you set a pick? Can you defend? You know, will you help out your partner? I mean, all that is evidence. And it's a sport, so it's easy to get physical evidence. And then you can even take them into the locker room afterwards and see if they're intimidated by everybody. You see, can they, do they have the social skills to get along? But all those things are evidence. So with the producer, you want evidence. First of all, can they deal with rejection? Because if they can't deal with rejection and they're easily intimidated by, you know, we'll just call them powerful people then they will avoid all the things they have to do to prospect. They'll avoid picking up the telephone. They'll avoid knocking on doors. They'll be at networking meetings. They'll avoid talking to the people that are appropriate. And look, we all empathize with that. But in this case, if you let your empathy take over and you make excuses for them, then you're not getting out the truth and the real person. And there's a chance you're going to make a great hiring mistake. And let's talk about hiring mistakes real fast. Uh, according to some research, around 50%. You know, best agencies are successful 80% of the time. Worst agencies are successful maybe 20% of the time, or that's one out of five. And so you think about the poor guys that are the worst. One out of five, they got to hire five people to get one that makes it. They just waste a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of opportunity. The guys who are really good at this are really good because of three things, basically. Number one, they've got a great recruiting sort of system or program in place to bring you know, what they consider to be talented people into the mix. They've got a great assessment process, you know, combination of personality profiles, interviewing, and all that sort of stuff. So they're assessing that, that person. And then they've got a great onboarding where they're training them and developing them to really go out and produce. So when you put all those three things together, you get high performance, you know, a really high level of success. So again, back to the bad cop. What's a bad cop's role? Bad cop is objective, so you don't care if they get hired. You want to find out, number one, are they smart? Number two, can they deal with rejection? Number three, are they good at relationship? Are they coachable? And are they driven? And so someone can sit there and flap their lips and tell you how smart and how driven, how much they care and how much they really want it. Um, but many times, you know, past performance, education, and future expectations. So, you know, you want to go look, dig into the past, uh, make the threat that when you call their past boss and you ask them about XXX, what are they going to say? And see, if you're afraid of offending somebody by asking those tough questions, and think about this, and please don't be offended when I say this to you, but as salespeople, man, we're used to building relationships. We're used to doing everything we can to make people like us. And so many agency owners are not good at this interview process because they're always selling the producer candidate on going to work. They're doing what they can. They're doing what is natural for them, building relationships, getting their producer to like them and all that sort of stuff, selling them on the opportunity, not finding out if and the can they do it. So once again, 
many times it's good just to uh, go out and, and find somebody who can be a bad cop. And many times the bad cop is somebody on your team already. Maybe it's your chief financial officer. Maybe it's a chief operating officer. Maybe it's a commercial lines lead. Maybe it's just another producer that will join in on you. But their job is to push back, make people defend that they're capable of doing it, to gather evidence. So one of my favorite exercises, and I just stumbled across this when I was struggling trying to figure out something that, that could work, uh, my uh, my book, The Wedge, had just come out, and this is back in 1997, so that's 20 years ago. Um, that book had just come out, and I was, I was dealing with the producer candidate, and I said, look, I want you to read this book, and then let's talk about it, and by the way, why don't you just write an executive summary so that I know you did it? And that was all the forethought I had. So they read the book. It's only 100 pages, pretty easy to read. They wrote the executive summary, and now I've got their, their thoughts in writing. Now think about this. If somebody wrote a poem, and the poem's kind of dark, you know, um, then you can say, man, you put something that's kind of dark. This is about death and other lives. Why would you write about this? Or flip side of it. You know, this is very inspirational. You know, if somebody wrote a poem about that, what, where'd you get all this inspiration? I mean, this is beautiful. Tell me about this. And then all those almost always have a backstory. They got something. You find out more about people when you dig in. Well, when they write an executive summary and you go, you say right here that uh, the wedge is a great sales tool that is different than the normal that it brings the incumbent into the picture. Tell me about that. How, how'd you deal with that in the past? How'd you deal with that as a salesperson in the past dealing with the competition? Cause right here you say that it says this is good stuff. Um, or if they, uh, if they, if they never had sold before, you kind of go, well, let me ask you a question. You know, when you're in college, you know, did you ever, were you ever attracted to somebody else's girlfriend? Suppose you had this how would you apply or use this? And so all these things are ways to find out how they think. Can they deal with the pressure that you're putting on them? Because what's going to happen when they get in front of a prospect? It's not going to be any different. Prospects push, you know, they, they cajole. You know, they always say buyers are liars, so they lie. Uh, they're trying to, in a way, protect their buddy, the incumbent. Uh, they don't want to look bad, so many times it's not going to be very forthcoming. I mean, all that stuff is true about dealing with prospects. So you're trying to see, does this person have that flexibility, that smart, that mojo, that drive to push through this stuff? And you'll get a lot of that. Are they smart enough to, to pick up and synthesize information? Um, yeah, it's just It's just a really powerful thing. And so... That's what a bad cop, even though it sounds like you're a bad cop, you're a badass, you might occasionally have to be badass a little bit, but mostly you're not a badass. You're just bad cop. It's just a role. It's a role of interrogation. It's a role of digging in. It's a role of making somebody prove they are who they say they are. And then if you can prove that they're not who they say they are, that they can't prospect, won't sell, aren't that intelligent, aren't that motivated, aren't that driven, um, aren't that capable, aren't that good a relationship, then you find all that stuff out, then you know not to hire them. And so I want you to think about this real fast. I mean, out of the, you know, who, who knows how many producers got hired today, but you know a bunch did because agencies out there hiring and there's 40,000 agencies, so somebody got hired. You sit there and wonder, how many are going to make it? And the ones where the biggest mistake was made 
was when a producer, an agency owner just started kind of buying into the story, got fired up. And whether it was a retread coming from another agency, whether it was a salesperson that had already sold in some other industry, or whether it's a college graduate, it's easy for somebody to start to buy into that stuff. What a bad cop helps you do is to objectively dig into that, who that person is, find out if they're real, and um, and you can have a lot of fun doing it. So, man, if you're interested in being a bad cop for your firm, because if you're if you're not if you're not the CEO, um, CEO oftentimes is the best recruiter there. Then I can tell you the CEO needs your help. And if you want to learn how to be a good bad cop, then you know go to my website. Uh, on there is a book called Grit: How to Find, Hire, and Develop Real Producers. And I'll be honest with you, at the heart of it is how to be a bad cop. That's where, that's number one, that's where the money's made. If you can separate the wheat from the shaft, the good from the bad, the winners from the losers, the pretenders from the producers, if you can pull out those who are winners, great producers, you know, that, that want to go make it happen, if you can do that, you're going to make a lot of money for your agency and you become a very valuable asset. So um, go check it out. It's at thewedge.net. Uh, the book's called Grit. I wrote it about a year ago. Uh, and um, there you have, man. Always anxious to hear from you. You can always reach me at randy at the wedge.net. Hey, man, I'm signing off. Thanks.